Eastland episode 173 and it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Carroyle nearly a week later Gary and we're still buzzing <laughs> what a fucking away trip it was such a good everything about it everything about it was absolutely brilliant it just fell into place apart from us drinking what was 150 years in Carrick and Shannon we're not there anymore <laughs> 150 years of tradition gone down the drain yeah Mick McCarthy remembers going back in there and the Late 19th century. Just after the famine. <laughs> um, quick sponsors, Ocean Electrical, of course, are forever sponsors looking after us as usual. Um, check them out online and Leinster Credit, of course, because why, Prof? Why are Leinster Credit our sponsors? Well, Garrett, because they got you back. So we're going to we're gonna look ahead to our past game, Prof. We're going to review the Sligo trip, which was a cracker. And of course, we've Dan Murray, Prof. We have Dan Murray on the show. Yeah, first time on Tifties. Long overdue, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's just one that slipped through the net, wasn't it? But um, looking forward to talking about another away day, because, because I think this is what the show has been lacking for the last year and a half. Through no fault of our own, and we've tried to adapt. We've done lots of interviews and Player of the Year series, but you can't beat these away buses <laughs> and the crack they have we have on them. My God, and you just meet brand new people all the time. Like, we'll talk about it soon, right? So last week's last week's Tifty's hotline, prof. Uh, Birdie said the pink really brings out his eyes. It depends on what stage of the bus that is. But uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Great stuff from the lads and some very impressive Mark Bertram uh, uh, interviews. Yeah, Peter Walker, like he basically channeled uh, Ray Winston. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I was watching what's the name of that one where he, he's in Spain, the gangster in Spain. I can't remember. Oh God, what's it called? Oh, come back to me. Uh, really good for Peter Walker so Peter Walker won our poll for the best Mark Bergen accent so 50 euro voucher is on your way to you Peter so well done I can just hear James Lowe fuming somewhere because he was just thinking hang on <laughs> these prizes are real yeah. <laughs> we owe him about two at this stage uh, Peter Walker you can buy plenty more stuff for your bar or your barber your barbers with uh, yeah. all the all the memorabilia and John Byrne was, was, was brilliant wasn't he uh, and uh, he didn't actually say this on the hotline he says to me by text mentioned that the famous purple jersey in 1994, the Whirlpool, he said he hated it because it looked like a melting ice pop. <laughs> That's not a bad show. <laughs> a bad show at all. Yeah. Um, I love the description of Big Deck getting off the plane wearing only a shirt and the, 
the big rats in Greece. Uh, oh, that was during the the strike for the bin men, wasn't it? There was rubbish yeah. absolutely everywhere. So last week's show, recorded on a Tuesday night and released on Friday morning, Gar. How about that for efficiency? Yeah, well, tell my prof. Tell my prof. Well, I think the obvious reason is, Gar, we had to release it on the day of the 100th mm, anniversary yeah. of, the, of the League of Ireland. That's handy, wasn't it? That's not just handy. That's what it's all about, Didn't Gar. involve you chasing skirt or drinking points, no? How dare you? <laughs> but uh, what did you make of that whole thing? Just... Just the way it was suddenly announced. I'm not claiming to be the first person to know about it, but I think I was the first person to say it on Twitter. I put up a, a picture of the results 100 years to the day, and then people started drawing attention to it and tweeting the FBI. And then by lunchtime, the FBI put out a tweet saying, like, what's your favourite memory of the I league? I guarantee you they were sitting there <laughs> in the office and they were like, lads, <laughs> anyone know what this is? Fuck, what, what the fuck? What if they're missing it? I guarantee you they're all sitting there going, bollocks. Prof is forced to the fucking to punch here. Well, great great planning. A full programme of FAI Cup games, Gar. On the 100th anniversary of the league. Yeah, it's not, not no event or anything like that. Like It should be a big black tie event, you know, everybody yeah. representing from the clubs and stuff like that, but no. A few cracking quotes here if you want to read them out there. Right, so John O'Sullivan said, this hashtag 100 years of LOA effort by the FAO is basically stopping in a garage on the way home and buying flowers on a box of milk tray because you forgot it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> Give him the award. <laughs> Give him the award now. That's exactly what it is. We've all been there. Emma Wheatley, the wheat. Is it just me or have the rest of you only found out about the hashtag 100 years of LOA on the literal 100th anniversary? I didn't even know. On the, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know. I'm only finding out now. So I'm a couple of days late. There you go. Monster Derby fact, I like this account. Hashtag 100 years of LOI launching halfway through the anniversary in question is surely the most League of Ireland thing ever. Yeah. Um, it's insane, isn't it? I just I just kept reading the quoted tweets of the FEI one and everyone just kept shaming the FEI. It was hilarious. And how, how vague is that? Give us your best memory of 100 years. That's that's all you've got. You want to give us your, give us your best memory of the last 100 years. Well, all the pictures are from the last 20 years, naturally, but uh, shout out to Tommy Tarmy, who's uh, he's jumping into a time machine, and he's actually writing reports of the first season of the league, as if it were happening now. So it's a new series of articles. Oh, you like that stuff. Yeah, a new series on Extra Time. That he, sadly, the biscuit makers, Gar, they weren't playing in the, the first day. The biscuit makers, Jacobs. You have to wait till next week for the biscuit, ma- biscuit makers. Um, yeah, so uh, Speedy Recovery, friend of the show and Tifty's Bogey affiliate, Mark Fanning. Big, big shout out. So make sure, making sure he makes a Speedy Recovery. He had a bit of an accident on holidays in Italy. He was at the F1, I think. I think he's a bit of an F1 fan, so that's his thing. Him and, uh, what's his name? What's that fucking Egypt who we hate? <laughs> Peter Collins. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he love that stuff? So big, big shout out to Mark Fanning. Hopefully he gets better soon soon lots of cigarettes and alcohol to get you better and on your way um and we have another request from the ultra so this is a big big one and unfortunately space is limited and it's it's tough enough to get these displays done for the for the ultra so we have a we have a battle cry from the ultras he said they need a they need a favor so we're in need of a decent space like a hall or a warehouse to make displays in we've asked a few times in rovers chat and there's been no offers it doesn't necessarily have to be free either if it's someone's job or something but just a space where we're not going to have to pay an absolute fortune and need to lie about what we're doing so liability insurance and stuff like that if you can mention the pod at some point that we're on the lookout for any space it's just anybody with a hall, anything like that, help out the ultras, 
give us a sh- give us a shout. I'm helping them out. I'm putting out feelers myself. So if anybody has anything, get in touch with us. Get in touch with at Tales from the East on Instagram or get in touch with the Ultras if you know anybody from it. Okay. Yeah, that was Fieger sending that message. Hopefully we, we get them started. And uh, I interviewed Fieger for the documentary there recently. And uh, another reason he popped into my head was because bit of a thespian, isn't he? Yeah, I was I was mentioning Waddy on the last show from the Harps bus. How I was I was up the front of the bus going home, and he just gave he gave me all the stories. Story Waddy stories. Oh, that be a section, doesn't it? Yeah, and he just like he'd launch into a few stories, and then he would spontaneously do something like just get up and dance or just <laughs> something random. And one time he told us like three or four stories, and then he just got up. And at this stage, we were like a good hour from Dublin. Like nowhere near, uh, four provinces we've gone back to, wasn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. That one. Nowhere near Dublin. He stands up and he goes, Red Cow? Anyone here? Anyone with a red cow? We're just getting in now. <laughs> and I look behind and I just think, surely no one's going to fall for this. And sure, and sure enough, Figra and the cup and an older, you just see them standing up like absolute zombies clawing up for their coats red staring, cow, <laughs> red cow. staring to put the coats on <laughs> oh brilliant <laughs> oh it was brilliant oh good old Wally some band of fucking rogues aren't they um, another good news prop our t-shirts are coming soon so we're going to have a big campaign and we are collaborating with another little company as well to have a giveaway so every single person that buys a t-shirt will be in with a chance to win a lovely bit of merchandise from all time watches very very fancy timepieces and uh, we're going to have the Rovers green and the Guinness black designs and keep an eye out prof we're going to hopefully launch them soon yeah you showed me the preview there earlier they look cracking very very cool you can imagine them on the terraces on the way trip couldn't you how long have we been promising these bloody t-shirts I know yeah they're finally see that's what it was building up a bit of anticipation I'm expecting a text from Carl Kearns any minute now just give me all the shirts <laughs> yeah, give me take my money uh, Gizzy Hand and uh, his lovely, lovely wife Lisa got married on Saturday. I think he went down the aisle to We are both, both, <laughs> always believe. He's never going to live that one down. Um, did, did Lisa actually say, I take the Gizzy Hand during <laughs> the vows? Does anybody uh, know his how, name? Did you, how long did it take you to think of that? <laughs> I actually didn't know his name for a good while. And I was just like, yeah, it's Gizzy. Come Gizzy. <laughs> I think they're on their honeymoon in Mauritius at the moment. So, uh Hopefully they have a ball. And unfortunately there was some sad news as last Friday. The death accord of Brian Murphy, true lifelong fan and father of sports presenter and hoops fan Con. Um so our condolences go to Con, Brian's wife, Patricia, and all of the Murphy family we extend their deepest sympathy on their great loss. So um yeah, big loss for Con and obviously a big inspiration in his life and Con's a fantastic help and a show and a fan of the show and a big friend of the show. So uh, our sympathy goes out and our condolences to the Murphys. Yeah, that was very sad to hear that. Con called him his hero and uh, a great hoop. I mean, he was very instrumental in uh, Cram. If you go on the RT archives, there's a good five-minute interview with him. And um, funny enough, we're doing uh, Jimmy Keane next for In Memoriam. Another man, very instrumental in Cram. He came up with the name Cram. Cram has to be, uh, we have to be delved into a little bit deeper, Absolutely. doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, condolences to Con's very sad news. So we move on to the one little away win in Sligo Prof. Brilliant, brilliant trip. And the team was Grace returning to the defence triumphantly as well. What a return. Gannon um, was centre back and we had uh, Cotter on the left wing back prof. So That's right, yeah. very, very interesting stuff. 
and no Borky or Joey. So, um, a little bit apprehensive. A little bit apprehensive going in, but... Um, I wasn't sure what to think going in, because Sligo had just ended eight games without a win, and yeah. then they won two. We had just ended four straight defeats, so the form book was just kind of mad. Yeah. It was everything I expected, though, because I was thinking to me, this is going to be a classic Saturday night home dinger of an old-school game of ball, and we got everything we, we asked for. It was just yeah. end-to-end brilliance. It was class. It was such an enjoyable trip. Like, it was a really good game. It, was, it wasn't boring in the slightest. Like It was a really, really good game. But we'll talk about the Borscht tweet, Prof. What the fuck does Borscht stand for? Isn't that a Russian stew? Bit of Borscht. Red. Bit of red Sligo trusts. Okay, it? okay. So this Saturday night in the showgrounds, it's the age-old clash of good versus evil, the people's club versus the billionaire businessman's club, the humble versus the pretentious, the Rovers versus Shams. Come out on Saturday night, cheer the Rovers on the victory. Han the Rovers. The fact that they said Han. It's the most country thing ever. They can get in the sea for that one. Han. How do you Han. Han. Han the Rovers. Han Sligo. Han Sligo. Which is stop. But uh, eating their words and so. gobbling them up. So that tweet didn't didn't age well. There one from a few months ago, uh, showing the Invincibles flag, which they what did they change? Age the incon- terribly inconceivables or yeah, something some shit like that. Yeah, I think they lost seven games after they put up that tweet. <laughs> he did, he did Amazing, did yeah. So yeah, two hundred hoops travelled to see the real Rovers, the showgrounds, and uh, Neil Doyle was ref. I didn't think of it at the time, but. Every time Neil Doyle is ref at the showgrounds, I'm pretty sure he's been ref there a few times in mm. the last few years. I always end up running into Forky. Not not in this case. But <laughs> I didn't see Forky actually. Yeah. Forky always gives Doyle abuse, especially at Sligo, for some reason. <laughs> it's because you're close. It's because you can yeah. hear him. That's, he can hear you, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, so the four provinces, Prof, 12 o'clock, me and Mr. Lavelle, Rob Lavelle, got down there. And we were the first ones in points. We actually got a free point for setting up the beer garden. And James Lowe as well. He was there. Fantastic stuff. And James, we set it up in a German style. He'll know what I'm talking about. Nice German style beer garden. <laughs> Made sense at the time. But yeah, really uh, great, great crack. 50 to 60 hoops all crammed into the beer garden. Having the crack outside. Uh, it, was, it was brilliant. It really is. And it's, it's becoming our, our, uh, our second home other than Tallah Stadium. And I wasn't lying about the guys loving crumbles, was I? They, 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 pulled up, trips. they pulled up and a few lads were like, oh, what's happening here? I was just like, no, they just like crumbles. Yeah, that's it. Everybody go doo-doo, yeah. doo-doo. And uh, I was chatting to Dunster. He was there for uh, for a documentary interview. So he came down to try the puddle while he was there. He was making his own way to Sligo. Was but, he a uh, fan, Prof? He's a fan. Oh, yes. He's a fan of the old puddle. We are pushing out the puddle. Uh, Liam was on the bus with us again. Uh, Liam from Friday. I mean, Louis. Yes, we have got him hooked at this stage, I'd imagine yep. now. He believes that or he did at one stage. He believed that Trevor Malloy is Winston. Because he kept saying gold. Gold, a cousin. Yeah. Package of clips. Did you really think that? I don't know if you really they'll, thought it. They'll never know, Prof. You know the similarities. Uh, the only way a couple of people have said Jim Conroy yeah. is is Winston. I said that to Jim. <coughs> and he said he was mortified. <laughs> he was mortified. <laughs> That's a, is that a compliment for whoever plays Winston? <laughs> But um, yeah. yeah, it's a really, really good crack, bro. Uh Being looked after, puddle, styropramming, Guinness, uh, everything, everything, really, really good, and loads of good grub or crumbles as well. So um, the bus, the bus was literally seat for seat, no room, 
No room. C for C. Totally sold out. Oh, was there one C available? I, or did you even th- fill that think, at the end? I think the office at the end. I think the office had one C. Well, the toilet, you could say. Office slash toilet. And, uh, yeah. yeah, totally, absolutely jam-packed. There was and no stairs down the back, which, if you were down the back, it was it was nauseable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a lot no of stairs. Uh, there was a lot of torn backs. Yeah. We had, we had a new driver. Pat, good old Pat, looked after us big time. He was very, very patient. And yeah, kind of have to be when you've got 55 hoops on board full of gargle. So, Did you find common ground with him, Gary? Any family in Transylvania, no? No family in Transylvania, no. I think we might have bonded over 70s politics, maybe. Something along the lines of that. Do you know what I love about the back of the bus? <laughs> you tend to get... Like, Maloney did it near the end. He came down, just fucking burned everyone and left again. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Osher came down for 10 minutes, just talking all sorts. It's like a drop-in centre, isn't it? And then he's gone again. Like, Osher just randomly started telling us about the tattoo on his leg. I don't know if you heard the show, but of course, it was a tattoo to him last week. And he just started going, Yeah, I was 14. Cost me 40 euro in Bulgaria. I came home. And my ma said, what do you have to do? I said, I fucking love robbers, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was gone. Back up the bus again. A big shout out to him as well. Yeah. He got a belt with JCB. He got hit by a JCB. Literally, only him. He texted me and he was, I said, he's still coming on the bus. He goes, yeah, wait until you see me. I says, what happened? Didn't tell me. He turns up black and blue, scrapes everywhere. <laughs> he got hit by a JCB. So big shout out to Usher. The story, uh, the story of Usher and James Lowe staring at each other in Rome is like... <laughs> Like one of my new favorite stories <laughs> ever. Tell me, James, James is just sitting in the corner, and Usher keeps staring at him. So I gotta imagine Usher. Where are you staring? At? You know how he is. This is at like three or four in the morning, and James is getting, <laughs> getting really paranoid. And he says it to someone else, and he says, "Usher keeps staring at me." And his mate tries to relax him. He says, "No, don't worry, but don't worry, but." He gets up. At this stage, Usher is turned to someone else, and he's saying. That fella keeps staring at me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a comedy show. And this went on for ages. And they both were convinced that the other was staring at, at him. <laughs> they always just must have locked at one stage and they're like, fuck, he's staring at me. Yeah. And also, while Usher was at the back, him explaining the scene to Ozzy Nate. Garrett, that was... The scene? The, as scene. In the casual scene. The casual scene. Oh, he gave a... Did he? He gave him a, a rundown. That was... That was something. That was pretty epic. That was something to witness, I tell you. The conversations that go on, if you could plant a little mic on some of them, some of the shite talk that I fucking went off. I have to say, I have a new favourite hoop. It's Wooly. Wooly is oh, officially my new favourite hoop. We were again. You can't have him, prof. We have a Wooly section later. No, you don't can't worry. have him, he's mine. But we move on to the pub as well, unfortunately. 240 years of tradition, throwing down the toilet. I can't believe you even bothered. You have to, like someone said that, someone said, oh, would you bother? You have to try, you know what I mean? Now your man, straight out the bat, he says, well, no, I sent in the Fogies first, sent in the Maloney's, the Vinnies, the Owl lads, he says, get in there, buy a point, sit down, and then we'll follow in, so that you can't really kick us all out because you have a point in your hand. No, he wasn't having any of it. He came in, and he says, no, not, not today, lads, you'll have to move on. He says, well, what's the story? He says, about a wedding coming in. I said, you a wedding coming in. There's like eight people in the pub. Okay. <laughs> Right, no problem. I said, no problem. I was being civil about it and we left and that was it. And we didn't even get into the one in Sligo either. COVID, but... Well, the bus, we, we sat on the bus and we joined cans. We turned that place bleeding upside down two years ago, so... You, you can't be surprised. <laughs> they moved the pool table. 
that was the centre of attention. That was the centre of depravity. Is the pool table so it, you it, seem it, to be saying Asher was two years ago I was like it doesn't matter no it's <laughs> burnt into his memory and it was the same fella that <laughs> fucked everybody out as well by the way yeah. so he was standing steadfast he was fair enough, fair, fairly brave fair enough so. we tried a couple of places and we got refused I think the problem was Barry and his mates kept charging up front <laughs> their hands behind their backs their head down straight away just yeah. looking at the ground trying to get in lads you're red hot so we ended up. Uh, well, you weren't. You weren't there. It was built seven or eight. It was. We ended up with the railway bar. Oh, did you get into the pub? I did. Yeah. Everybody just disperses, don't they? We just end up sitting on the bus. Yeah, the bar girl wasn't too happy, but but we. She was trying to shoo us out and then the drink really? drink outside, and she eventually got a wish. But uh, we went. We yeah, we go in, and uh, there's a few uh, elfers just sort of chilled out. The boot boys, the There's Sligo boot boys, the Sligo fans, yeah. And sure enough, the 1978 cup final comes up. I mean, they're still talking about it. Fuck off. The 1978 the cup final. The one we spoke about last week. And the dodgy penalty by John Carpenter. Oh my it God. It's like, only took a minute for it to come up. Yeah, we're holding on to that yeah. one. Did you like my quiz, by the way? Yeah, I hate your quizzes, prof. I'm never doing them again. I hate every quiz <laughs> that you ever do. Because you just tease. You tease and you tease. Because every fucking answer can be the answer. Every multiple choice answer is possibly the answer. There's no ridiculous ones. It's all very fucking hard. I got four out of ten. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, so that's why you kept calling me a wanker all yes, day. Yes, you're a wanker. Oh. Well, did you like the John Carpenter question though? Because every option was an American director. Yeah, I caught that straight away. Yeah. <laughs> straight Car- away. Carpenter was the only one out of the four who was actually a referee. But uh, yeah, one of the fellas in the, in the Sligo bar was uh, Mark McSherry. Fianna Fáil TD. Oh, could we, are we giving this a big shout out? Are we giving it what happened here? No, I'm actually Milner. Do you know what? I, I won't deal with you. I, I won't bury you. Sorry, poor choice of words. <laughs> I, I won't bury you. But I will I will award you something that you desperately crave, and that is the Banjo Before Monaghan Award. Milner wins it. I'm going to give it to Milner. I have to say, every single time I put up a bus tweet or a bus text, Milner is straight in. Four places. Stick me down. Every single time he loves it, he loves it. Loves the away day. He loves it. And do you know what tipped him over the edge for me? Uh, Buckley was near us because I, I was standing behind the Sligo goal with the first half, standing yeah. beside the whack, who wasn't impressed with the lighting in the showgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have done that better. He's pointing over the corner flag. It was like, look at that, shocking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Mooner comes over to me at one stage. And Buckley comes over because the ball goes out for a goal kick. And Mooner just goes, Watch your missus around Bodger. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I thought he's getting the award. Oh man, absolutely brilliant. Brilliant trip. But we'll move on to the game, prof. Um, flares are plenty, smoke bombs, the whole lot. Uh, I won't say how they got in, just say we are smooth operators. That's they, all I'll say. They didn't all get in, I heard. Ah, we got a few in. You're cool, you're cool, you know. So we got some in, and uh, I'll be honest, probably going to let you lead the way on this one, because I uh, don't really remember much, but it was a good game. I don't remember any too many landmark moments, but I just remember a lot of players running around <laughs> in like a, in a square and kicking the ball and just I, going, go on! I read the match report earlier, just in case I missed any chances, <laughs> and I don't remember half these chances. No. But, uh, <laughs> I really don't. But uh, we remember the goal anyway, 26 minutes, Gary. Yeah, Gary O'Neill. 
we had a bit of a oh can we just give a shout out to Barry Cotter on the fucking build up to this goal Forced tackle makes the tackle ball springs out to the left and then he puts so much pressure on I think it was wasn't Lewis Banks it was oh I can't remember who it was right full and um Gets a puts a ball out play under pressure. We win it back. Throw gets taken into Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill has a pop. Keeper wasn't great. McGinty once again fails another audition for overs. You made some good saves in the oh, game. I don't know. Maloney would call me a head case, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he convinces me, but he palms it right out of Gaffney. But he had a lot to do. There was a tough finish. He kept yeah. it on the ground. He could have skied it. Could have put it. Tried to put it in the top corner. Slid it under the keeper and bedlam. I think it was a delayed one as well for me because I was looking around going fucking offside. Like he was just on. Just on. I was thinking, is he off? Is he off? And then cue celebrations. <laughs> Brilliant. I love the way he just sort of shaved up his body because like it was a real deliberate finish, mm. and the anticipation as well. Like he anticipated that save straight away. He yeah. was in on it. I love that. Yeah. I love a striker who does that. I feel like I haven't seen that enough at Rovers in the last few years. Following our, in, our following in from chances. Yeah. Like you say, Cotter, the way he chased <sighs> down the striker fullback. That his run pushed us up. 30 yards up yeah. the pitch I'd shit myself if I, I'd moment. have done that if I was the right back I'd have shit myself a fucking animal like that running at you he's scared us. I'm scared <laughs> an animal but uh, yeah I mean I won't I won't, I won't call it a tap in because it, like you said he had a lot to do but Joey and Doe singing like like Magnifico <laughs> he's starting to burn people having now. a mangasm over a glorified mangasm I mean, would you come on? Save it for like a 30 yarder or something. But uh, when you when you watch back the clip of this goal, by the way, listen to us. Listen to the away, the away end. Have we you, are loud. Did you listen to the whole fucking channel? We were, that was one of the loudest performances from our crowd ever. And I'll put it down to a few sherries being had. But it <laughs> was one of the best performances from the fans ever. It was so good. Every chant was fucking mega. Everyone was in on it. Everyone was banjoed. Absolutely brilliant. It really, really Early was. Earlier on, I stuck on the last five minutes because I wanted to see that Gannon clearance again. And it was it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, even Farouja getting in on the act. And uh, all I could do, I, I was... I actually sort of zoned out of the of the match because I just kept listening to the fans. Yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was, it was so loud coming across the stream. But... We- um, yeah, so that's Gaffney, 12 goals in all competitions. So I just want to give you an idea of the most goals by a Rovers player in Brazzers seasons, right? So we won't, we won't talk about last year, only uh, 18 games. 2019, Greener got 15. You might not remember that. Ooh. He got 15 in all competitions. McAniff got 12. In 2018, Berkey got 13 and that's despite only playing half a season oh, he, yes. went, he, went he, he only got him in we only got him to press we, he, he came in for Preston or we, or we got him he left Preston he in, left in Preston the summer to us, yeah, on loan wasn't it yeah so Mele got 16 in 2017 and Shazi got 12 that year as well so in terms of like strikers I don't know if you, don't know if you want to call Berkey a striker but Gaffney's like Couple of goals away from being like the second top goal scorer under Brazzer in one season. Ooh, prof with the stats. So we'll move on to some other chances. Prof McGinty made saves from Gaffney Watts and Tell. Don't remember any of these. Maybe the Tell one because he has flicky hair and it was bouncing around and he wears a headband. But who pays half his wages though? Who pays half his wages? Um, I, 
I'm trying to think back on these chances, man. It's, it's not coming back to me. No, that was, that was, I think that was Boris's reply to us when we slagged them over their, their stupid tweets. But um, yeah, those chances you just mentioned there, Cotter was involved in all of those moves. Oh, he's so good. What a signing so far. Oh my God. He, and he was playing out position. The poor fella hasn't got a left foot. It doesn't seem to be. But in fairness, he put a couple in on his left and he gave it a bash and it worked. There were some decent ones. Mm-hmm. But he was turning in, but it was getting a bit of joy over. He re- it was it was really good. Pitch was quite slippy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was great. That's what made it. Classic <laughs> humdinger, wasn't it? So on to the second so half. The second half, prof. Um, I didn't do the L run for half time. I didn't go out and say, "Excuse me, I was get some equipment." This is equipment <laughs> in the bus. Didn't do it. I was far too well on, and I knew I wouldn't get back in. Usually I go and get the equipment and I come back with about eight cans down my trousers. Not this time. The Decided against it. <laughs> yeah, what's equipment that? Equipment in what's air What's that down your trousers? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, towel and Gaffney, prop, tell me about these saves. <laughs> <laughs> well, the towel uh, one was actually... Uh, I remember towel, towel, had a, towel had a good game. I was happy with towel from what I remember. I was happy with him and I told myself, about time, you know, he's up in his game. A lot of energy about him. His ball retention was good as well. His chance was actually very late on. It was the fourth minute of injury time. Um, McGinty, That's the one I remember. McGinty got down well to save that one. And Sligo did have a half a chance towards the end, Gareth. You want to pronounce that for his name? Oh, I like this one. I'll go for this Melvin Lorenzen. I'm going to say that he is uh, like a drug dealer from Brooklyn. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> Melvin Lorenzen, he runs the block. That's, who, that's what he is now. And the Gannon header at the end, this was... This was superb. The way he gets up and just nicks the ball away from I wouldn't I wouldn't say a certain goal, but I mean Gannon's best performance in a Rob jersey. Oh by a mile. He was brilliant and I think he's probably found his home, right centre back. Um he was so good, so assured, and I think he finally got enough for a hostel. <laughs> <laughs> Gannon or Missy? Oh god. Brilliant stuff. Like, overall, what a performance. Like, Gary O'Neill, brilliant in the middle, getting stuck in. Gaffney, just brilliant centre-forward uh, play. Everything. It was just such an enjoyable trip. So, such an, like, everything went. And can I just say, I think we're off Bulger's Christmas card list. It's fair to say. Fairly possible. I'm going to put that up there with Shit the Bag's performance with Talbot in the semi. Abibi in Tallah Stadium versus Dundalk. Totally, totally bottled it. We got in his head. Wow. What a performance. He never came anywhere near our side. No Turning turnin the other way to pass the ball because he didn't want to come anywhere near us. No chance of him taking a throw in at that side. Uh, and, and we have a couple of new songs as well. So it, they went down a treat. Well, we were singing basically the same two songs for, for night. <laughs> it was brilliant, wasn't it? And at the end, you know, some of the classics got... Uh, the rendition but um, and do you know do you know what I love I love when someone someone tried to go she was nobody joined in <laughs> nobody it was just like oh it's not that time yet yeah it, you know it you know when it's when it's that time don't you still was it nine games left nine yeah, ten so loads I mean, of time left loads of time left don't be saying she war I just I love the will to win we we, we discussed the the Cotter thing before the goal in injury time as well, you had Gannon win the throw in. Yeah. And you just see him celebrating and like. Bodies on the line, wasn't yeah. it? Just a real blood and guts performance. And hopefully everybody enjoyed the trip anyway, Prof. But, um, so the player performances overall, Prof. Um, 
Who who got man the match actually? Well, Sligo. I gave it to Gannon. Picked their own man the match yeah, in the yeah. stream, I presume. So I gave it to Gannon. I don't know what Joe he said, but uh, what a uh, do, what a dush. Gannon Gannon was superb, uh, but as as always, the work rate from Gaffney and he was tormenting Sligo. <laughs> he fucking ran them ragged. But can I say, boy, John Matten now. What a game he had. What a player. What an operator. Really, really good centre-half. Joey's replacement. Get him in the fucking team now. Boy, use the Europe money. Get John Matten in. He's a fucking player. One of the best defenders in the league. Think about that back fucking line if we got him in. Brilliant. Get Desmond to pay half his wages. Yeah. Desi. Sorted. Get your finger out. Desi. But uh, that was a hard-fought win, wasn't it? I mean, we dug in, especially the last 10 minutes. And overall, I just loved our, our energy from, from minute one. Oidemo coming on as well. Yeah, Oidemo and Neil Coming Frugia. on and just annoying people. Fruja yeah. winning headers at the end. I love Oidemo. Oidemo's just slotting right in now, isn't he? Fruja came back from injury. Good to see. And hold yeah. on, hold on. Can we talk about, uh, on top of performances, let's talk about the reaction from the players oh, we're at getting, the end of it. We're getting to that, Oh, yeah. my God. We had, um, I, think, I think Gary O'Neill... Might have started either Gary O'Neill or Pigo just came over and just did the fist bump. Yeah, and uh, and then Brazier at the end as well. Loving it. You, you can tell on Brazier's face when a win just means a little bit yeah, more yeah. than usual. Because normally there's just a little bit of a clap. Yeah. But he gave the fucking big one. Gave the big one. It wasn't a, like uh, we're one step closer to the league. It's just more like like that was that was big. That was satisfying. We showed yeah. character there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I loved, like I said, hard fought. Like there was there was a lot of bite in their tackles, and we oh, always wanted to yes. win the ball back. It was just it was deadly. So the bus hunger. Oh, what a trip! No DJ, DJ Dan was over in London, but we were the DJs ourselves. There was a sing song all the way home. There was old school Dublin classics. There was a few diddly eyes. It was absolutely epic. There was heart to hearts. It was brilliant. Really, really good trip. Totally, totally like mayhem, mayhem. On a bus. Like, unbelievable. It's quite messy. Yes, very much so. Every 10 minutes or so, I just hear in the seat near me, Carol Curran's gone, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> just a general observation. Constantly saying, that. <laughs> it's great. Isn't it? But um, as you say, Gert, we have a new favourite person on the show, and his name is Woolly. That's so- all I know. I don't want to know anymore. So we've gone from Woody's stories to Woody's waffles. Woody's waffles, yeah. Woody is one of the people. That's what I call him. One of the people. Not many get that shout out. Put yourself in my shoes for a second, right? And can I say it's a great nickname? Because he's very woolly looking. Yes. He he's got that. It's like he's got one giant beard that goes all around his head. The beard just... <laughs> the same hair is on his head. Do you know what I mean? Like the whole <laughs> beard is an all round beard. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't it have that look? Put yourself in my, like, so picture the man Gary just described, right? <laughs> I've never met him. I didn't even know he was in Big the bus. Big Carlo accent. I'm standing outside the railway bar with a point of Guinness. And this man, Woody, is just launching into a lot of farmer stories. <laughs> and I'm like, who, who is this person? <laughs> Did you even know he was in the bus? <laughs> no. So he's after telling four or five just random farmer stories. And then there's no, like, there's no segue. It's just into the next one and he'll just go Me father sold me a flock of geese for 60 euro <laughs> Like what am I supposed to do with them like? What's he doing with a flock of geese? 
When you bite him. Just looking out the back garden. Well, there they are. There's the geese. So that was mad, but then I ended up chatting to him towards the end of the game. Absolutely, uh, great fella. He said he said Paul Jamond got me into Robert. That's it, Podge. That's what his, yeah. his seg- Well, there's a segue he's there. A, that's he's a Carlo man. Yep. Podge is a Carlo man. So yeah, Podge did a lot for for County Carlo in football. Do you know what? I think we should start doing now. Man of the match. We have banjoed before Monaghan, but man of the match for the trip. Yes. So Woolley's man of the match. Milner's banjoed before Monaghan. Yeah. Great stuff altogether. Um, Packham Martin prof. Sligo's moment in the sun passed for another 10 years and it truly is that's our season pretty much over now I'd imagine I love, um, I love Pat's pot shot to Sligo over the years yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. doing. but uh, what are random highlights these would just be some quick ones we had Tony the Tiger in the away end who's that do you see your man the tracksuit oh yeah what was that about he was wearing nothing indeed what was that about <laughs> yeah, it was a strange one wasn't it I thought he was on yeah. the stags or something he got made where we had James Lowe Taking a bite out of Barry Bear's burger, Did like he... like a seal, <laughs> just <laughs> leaping up for a bite for a meal. Do you ever see when you're what? Sometimes you <laughs> see a video of a seagull in O'Connell Street. Someone's about to eat a bag of chips, and she just goes, ah! <laughs> looks it out of her hands. James, what James the seal? No, it was just so cute though because Barry just offered it to him, and like like he was expecting it. <laughs> like he knew he would take a it's bite. great isn't the camaraderie yeah. great in all trips <laughs> and uh, I think someone in the chat said they might tune in to Cody's call this week yeah might might be going alright he'll, right. he'll postpone that he won't do that he won't <laughs> fucking have a call he's called this week he's and been fairly quiet now see the picture McDara put up about the uh, oh I love a bit of boy from McDara I like this I have that programme at home actually I have Woolies programme at home Um, that was that was bad form that's a big no no and that goes back to us talking about the podcast no no's as well where you don't just put up a timestamp and say listen to me listen to the whole fucking thing then listen to whatever you want to listen mm. but that's a no no don't be putting it up without permission yeah they put up his extra time article word for word no credit no didn't ask for permission so bad I mean, form it's just bad form no other word for the prof it's bad form and it's disrespectful unprofessional there you go simple as that and I don't yeah. expect any more to be honest but back to Tala anyway, Prof. And oh, the scenes at Tala, we arrived at the same time as the team. Pico. Pico in his car playing. Pico, Pico, Pico. Rocking out there. Brad's like giving us a rendition of a song. Ah, oh, great stuff. No, 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 no. Not talking to Pico. No. He he drove past me and Ryan LeGrew. <laughs> Crumbling, lads. <laughs> he gave us a nice wave. And he drove past us. Ah, you probably going to the missus' house. Come on, like. <laughs> prof with the thumb out Give, give us a lift Pico <laughs> Prof with the thumb out prof, the... prof with his mangled thumb Ask Prof <laughs> Anyone who knows Prof right? Ask him to do his thumb thing He has His thumb can do a U-turn Ask him about his thumb He can, he can go back a, a distance Alright <laughs> yeah. But uh, Yeah like you said the, the bus just arrived Literally the same time as ours About and... 40 bags of cans We've dumped At the, <laughs> at the bin My god <laughs> And then Brazler pulls up in the car beside Maloney, just like giving him a thumbs up and all. And then Maloney just goes, enough is enough. Yeah. Brazler, <laughs> No, Maloney jumps in the bus. Get off the bus. Brazler's here. Everybody go out. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant stuff. But um, I oh, forgot to mention, Bowser gave the ball away for the goal. Oh, did he? Brilliant. You, I haven't f- even seen that. How fitting how is that? How have we not highlighted that? Brilliant stuff. And I have a staffy. I think you like this. Oh, probably. It's, it's my only stab today, actually. And I think it's a good one. This is now the first time since 2011 uh-huh. that we have beaten every team in the league 
at least once. Oh, prof with the stats. Because if you think about it, there's always a team that we don't beat. Last year it was Pats. We, Derry used to be our bogey team. Bowes in 2018 couldn't beat them. Let's not even talk about Crony and Fenland. Oh, prof. Fucking jinx. You know what I mean? And Ger, after all that, after all that long day, a day that began at 11 in the morning, oh God. out to Sly going back, great game, great bus, over 12 hours, I'll give you the last thing anybody said on the Tifties bus <laughs> when it had completely emptied. I'll just give you this out of context. Ozzy Nate pointed out that dentists have the highest rate of suicides. What the fuck? That's the note we ended on. Good man, Ozzy Nate. On night. Saturday night. That's that's some stat, isn't it? And we all just looked at each other and like, wow. <laughs> it's so random, isn't it? <laughs> for fuck's sake. Uh, second half substitute prof, Nate Ferrugia. Great to see him back. And he tweeted, it's been a long and difficult road to get back on the pitch. Nothing beats his feeling. I've missed it a lot. So big, big defensive header from him at the end. And great to see him. Big mop of hair on him. Don't think he got a haircut since he had his injury as well. Yeah, he... Second appearance of the season, he, he came on against Waterford and he course he broke down. When was that? I think that was like the the bank holiday in Jeez, May, in May wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. The Waterford game. You forgot he was the Klitschko love child. Like. <laughs> so great stuff. Anyway, seeing him back in the pitch and hopefully he can kick on and become. I think I don't think he's he should play in that left wing back position. I think he'd be up where the Borkies are, where the Dannys are. I think that's that's where he should be. I think that's probably his best bet. Get in there because his dribbling is so good, and then he could just work his magic in there. I think that's that's where we should be playing him. Right, so now what Brazil do there? Yep. Joey and Doe, prov, what a dosh. What a dosh. <laughs> Magnifico. Well, our pal, Mr. Gentleman, who we interviewed uh, a few weeks back for the LOI Curie segment, he's, he's gone to the trouble of compiling some of these quotes since you and I wouldn't, oh, good man. Good wouldn't man. have heard these. We were at the game. He says, these are some of the standout quotes. He says, Gaffney must have something against Sligo. He also says, O'Neill makes football look so easy. Ooh la 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 la. <laughs> you went for an ooh la la. Yeah. Love it. UCD is the only team with a proper football culture. What? Now we're talking about, I can understand what he means there. Style. With style. They've had the same style of football for years. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he get, he, I actually heard this when I was watching the last five minutes he gave out the manners for not going down and smothering the ball to waste time for 20-30 seconds oh, he's a real football man he said manners should go down there uh, the commentator was talking about a shot that Gaffney had saved by uh, McGinty and then Doe just dismisses it and says that's his job mm. <laughs> went a bit Roy Keane there and he said the only way to get past Cotter is to do something never done before <laughs> <laughs> and uh, according to Kieran apart from that it was all fantastic and magnifico oh, brilliant yeah a lot of people are, are starting to turn on him I think he's brilliant I think he's great but that's how he is you know what I mean that's how he is as a guy I think he's good so that was it bro. The start, the, that was the proof the, the trip topped off fantastic stuff we'll move on to other results and a absolute belter of a game in Daily Mount Bowls 3 Derry 3 on Monday Georgie Kelly with an absolute cracker at the end 96 minutes I didn't see these goals oh my god bro. Watch that goal. I saw the Derry goal. That was a cracker. Too. The, the first one, wasn't it? McGonagall. Yeah. They paid a few quid for him. He's a good player. He's got a good scoring record as well. But yeah, ridiculous goal from Georgie Kelly. I can't lie. Yeah, Derry took the lead twice there, including the 90th minute. So, oh, that was that was a killer one yeah. I heard about the equaliser again. Brad's our time. 
Uh, Finn Harps 3, Dundalk 3 and uh, on another absolute cracker with uh, it's the FAO Cup quarterfinals unfortunately Boydie wasn't on the wrong end of this one he scored another beautiful Ibra-esque goal ball clipped in from the left side the touch was outrageous puts it right in front of him what did touch buried what a touch <laughs> buried what a goal and unfortunately uh, it didn't um Oh, we're talk- sorry, that's I'm 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 totally off here. I'm talking about. Well, I don't blame you for mixing them up because they're because they're both quite similar, aren't they? They're nearly carbon copies. Yeah, like both but, absolutely brilliant touches and great finishes. But to me, this is football. This is like Finn Harps, who haven't been to a cup final in twenty years, usually battling relegation, playing against the cup holders, down to ten men, three one down, and they came back to score. And make it three all with that Sean Boyd goal clipped over the top. The touch buries it. I watched that clip twenty times, and I see something new every. I will. I look behind Limbs. the goals. Scenes. It's like ah, oh, this it, is fun. It's what you live for, isn't it? Love it. And uh, and more stuff came out. Another clip came out of uh, Dave Webster. They're all they're all in the pile on the oh, corner flag, this. and he's he's yeah. he's on the ball. He's waving the kid. The steward is trying to chase them off, which is the last cause. And Webby's just waving more on. Ah, oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And uh, but yeah, so then Boydie gave him a six minute lead in the replay at Oriel. Yeah, unfortunately, Dundalk went on to win three one after extra time. So uh, un- unlucky for Harps, and that's Dundalk going through again. Great um, story for Boyd. He missed all of last year with injury. Yeah, he's been ravaged, and yeah. we we spoke to him. We know him personally from just the show. Being being a lovely bloke, sound fella, and he has been ravaged. His injury list is up there with the worst. It's fucking horrible. So great to see him playing, man. Big long leggy striker. Great touches and scoring goals. Brilliant for him. Absolutely chuffed for him. Great lad. Um. UCD 2, Waterford 3, scenes again, Prof, the magic of the cup is once again happening. This was late as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Mutsumunga got this one. I think people forgot until the day that there was replays in these cup ties. I know, yeah. Crazy stuff there. Balls Come. for Minute Nil, Prof, your pal in work, our pal in work. This game is over after 20 minutes. Yeah, man sent off, it's done. Yeah, and that was Mark. the former Bosman feeler as well, Alex Kelly, so... You wonder was that in his head? Mm. It's Gone, unfortunate because really. it was a hundred percent a red card. It was a bad, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was reckless. But um, Whelan and Kerrigan, by the way, on the score sheet again for UCD. Kerrigan, yeah, um, uh, Whelan. I think Whelan's the number one target, isn't he? From what we're hearing, he's got it all. Mm. So another two years there, though. We have to put our hands in our pockets. Do you like my uh, Daily Mirror puns? Yes, for for balls. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Every single one of them. <laughs> I'm hoping people latched onto them. I was waiting three years to do that. <laughs> and I, I thought about it for virtually a whole day. Like, because it was very... You were looking around the work, you're like, letters, posts, boxes. I had a bit of hell back to yeah. I, I asked the majors to give me some ideas, like cagey and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's actually, like, I've only got about 120 words to play with. So to jam in a dozen references and make it make sense so that my editors... <laughs> that was an accomplishment. So that my editors don't get suspicious and remove it. Well, you fucked yourself that, now, haven't you? That was a challenge. <laughs> so they didn't even know? Oh, they, oh, didn't, they didn't prop. change a single word. Like, how did I make that make sense? Was... Brilliant stuff from the prop, as usual. We've Pat's going through 3-0 against Wexford prop. So our opponents, that's, you pretty much expected that one. And we've... Uh, Paul McGall tweeted this. When you notice, when you notice it, it's not... Hold on, let me go again. Paul McGold tweeted this. 
When you notice it, it's never not weird that the RT News reports the English Domestic League with clips and interviews before the Irish Domestic League with just a scoreline. It's unfortunate, really, isn't it? It's just the way it is. They don't give a fuck, man. They really don't give a rats, unfortunately. But it's we're not, used to it's it. It's not something we think about anymore. No, we don't. We just we take it, and that's it. We don't even think about it anymore. Uh, Irish Times article about our finances, absolute bollocks. None of our recent financial accomplishments included in it. Um, I don't even think I want to give this air time. It's kind of a, it's a pretty pointless article. Pointless, yeah, yeah, absolutely pointless, and dated as well because, I mean, it, it made no sense. It was just, um, it was just to put attention on Rovers and make us look bad more than anything. Why else would they put a stupid fucking article up like that? Well, it isn't updated, and they don't have all the facts. So, Obviously, everything is down after fifteen months without any ticket revenue. Yeah, and like you say, you're not even counting Bazunio scales money in there. But uh, there was a better article in the Examiner last week. Uh, Robert CEO Dennis Donahue some quotes from him he was very good I thought that was very yeah. good I loved it talking about add-on transfer deals being the best approach until yeah. the upfront fees rise so he said this he said there are too many good talented lads who have gone to the UK or elsewhere for frankly derisory transfer fees because that's what people think League of Ireland players are worth until we get to the situation where clubs are going oh there's a really good player in the League of Ireland and the starting negotiating point for a top quality League of Ireland player is 1 million, 1.5, 2 million. The only way is slowly growing the basic transfer fee and put in as many add-ons as you possibly can. If you can get to a point where players are more highly valued and more highly priced, then that becomes less important. But certainly at the moment, I'd say it will continue to be a big feature of League of Ireland dealings for us and other clubs. I think if Bazunu blinks 20 times during a game, we get 100 grand as well. I heard that as There's well. There's a few <laughs> We've snuck in there. Unbelievable stuff from uh, our top dogs. And uh, So move on, Prof. Other bits of bobs on social media. Borky's birthday on Tuesday. How old is he? 27? Oh, I didn't check that actually. Up there, yeah. So he's still young, mid-20s, still a lot in him. I told you, I've only one stat today. So You've only you've no age stats for us no. today. Uh, two underage results to tell you about as well the Rovers under 19s won 4-0 in Galway so great result down there and the 17s were beating 3-2 at home to Shelbourne in the Mark Farron Cup quarterfinals unfortunately so sounds like a crack of a game but Shell's always put it up the hoops there always good underage section there Hattrick by Mikey Leddy that's the one I only spoke about him in the chat there recently I thought to myself is he the next one up we've always had mm-hmm. goal scorers at these levels and they never really make it step up Dean Williams included unfortunately you had mm. Danila Bogdanov, who's a bluebell now. These guys who scored goals for fun in the 17s, 19s, 15s. Mikey Letty seems like the real deal. Uh, Ida Mon got the other goal there, by the way. Oh, Ida Mon Macu, my favourite young player at the moment. Uh, McDermott first tweeted this. Glenmore Rovers, the Shamrock Rovers supporters team, had two special guests at home today. Dick Dunn, part of the Colts, Colts League, winning side in the 50s. And his son Richard, capped 72 times for Ireland. And Dick is one of our 50 player interviews in Rings and Tala. A new book out soon. Um, surely... If Richie Dunn is floating around, you can get him to to play for Glenmalore. There's a Rovers connection there. His dad, and then he's got mm. Rovers in-laws as well. And Tommy Dunn. Rovers friends. You've got, uh, I think Gary Brennan might be close to him. Surely you could have a little board in his ear. I'd play him up front. Stick him up top. Um, get Pajo in. Pajo and, pa- and Richie Dunn up front. Headbutting the, the concrete in Russia. He fit right in. <laughs> But uh, no, this new book by McDerrah and Owen Rice. Uh, very, very happy when I saw this coming out. Uh, Two of our high-brow individuals when it comes to Rovers. Yeah. High-talent, high-brow. I had the privilege of reading this already because I was helping out with the, with the editing process and it's brilliant. 
uh, ideal Christmas prezi for you. So uh, get get your user rings down to tell a book by Christmas by user authors uh, McDermott and all. <laughs> Don't forget user fifty t-shirts and user uh, uh, green ribbon, which is coming out soon. <laughs> And just know on user Steve Linux uh, medal. Remember that? Remember that story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like I'm, I'm making inroads on uh, contacting Steve Linux. Uh, Robbie Gaffney's helping me out. The Gaff. Even though he called me the Doc again. The Doc. <laughs> it's, it's, it's even funnier the second that the first time he said it was the march to Dalier for the Cup semi-final. He called me the Doc. And um, just want to clarify something about that, that medal as well. Uh, we might have left people with the wrong impression last week about it because remember I said that it wasn't Steve himself who was selling the medal. Yeah. And you were kind of saying, well, then why is it up for sale? Yeah, who got a hold of it? Yeah, no, it was um, Steve put his medal up for auction a number of years ago. Then the person who bought that decided recently they, that they didn't want it anymore. Okay. So they brought it back to auction, which is how the club. Uh, bought it recently for 500 euro ah, good so stuff. that's how it's now in the club uh, shop full circle lovely stuff so no, another, another bit of memorabilia for the trust Um, so that is a lot of it today but Prof we have the big one coming up it's Dan Murray yeah we're joined now by former Shamrock Rovers captain Dan Murray he's making his first appearance on the Tales from the East End podcast at long last so uh, welcome along Dan yeah thanks for having me like, feels like a long time ago when I was Shamrock Rovers captain to be honest so <laughs> Yeah, 10 years. Uh, there's there's so much to talk about. I mean, you enjoyed great success in those two seasons at Tata, two league titles, there's a Tanta Cup, but it's the 10th anniversary of the group stages in the Europa League, so we might focus a little bit more on that today. But uh, you were born in Cambridge. You started out at Peterborough United for three seasons. Eventually, you joined Cork and Lawn in 2002, and nearly 20 years later, I think you're still living in Cork, aren't you? Uh, what was Peterborough like, and how did Cork come about? Yeah, well, like you said, like in England, obviously, uh, I went straight from doing my GCSEs into the academy at Peterborough YTS. So, like I said, at that age, that was my dream to be a professional footballer. And when I got my YTS, it was brilliant. I loved it, loved it there. And like I said, I uh, managed to make my debut when I was young enough and sort of, I probably thought I was the best player in the world at the time, but sort of... As time went on, I sort of <laughs> I didn't go anywhere, and I weren't really playing many games. So uh, uh, it got disappointed. I got like looking back at it now, got really disheartened about it, and not down on yourself, but sort of sort of didn't enjoy it. Was getting just didn't play any games, and like I said, most footballers just want to play football, and that was that was hard missing all them. Uh, I didn't play any games, and sort of in the end, sort of. I was trying to get out of Peterborough for so long and then sort of I got into Cork City more by chance than anything else. Sort of uh, obviously John O'Flynn was at Peterborough United in the same academy team as me. Uh, so obviously buddies and that. And literally it was by chance that the manager asked him, have you got any players? And he said, oh yeah, I've got this centre half. He might be interested in coming over. And that's how it started really. Like I said, it was... Uh, I just came over on trial when it started uh, just uh, to start off with a week's trial. Uh, still still playing Winter League then in League of Ireland. So 
that that's a long, long time ago. Uh, and the trial went well, and I made my debut probably two or three weeks after I came over up in uh, Derry. And like I said, I never thought I'd be over in Ireland for this long, uh, playing for Cork for that long, or going to Shamrock Rovers and sort of the rest is history, if you say. And I never had any sort of, didn't really ever ha- have many options to go back anywhere else and like just ended, kept going, kept going. And that was how it rolled, really. So a league title and a cup with Cork, uh, some memorable European nights as well. I was reading that you, even despite playing two great Shamrock Rovers teams, 2010, 11, you still feel that 2005 Cork side is probably the best that you've played in. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like I like I say, I think the, that Cork City eleven or twelve players that we had there was as good as, as good as I played with. Uh, like every player was probably the best in their position, or one of the best in the position in in the division that year. Uh, comparing that to Rovers, I think Rovers we had a, a squad of 24, 23, 24, and you could pick any eleven out of that. That we were so sort of balanced. They're obviously. Probably apart from Gary Twig and Alan Manis, they're probably the ones that are always going to play. But Michael O'Neill had the choice of 11 players from the 20 odd, and he could, like, it wouldn't really make a difference really to the result or how the team performed really. So that that's probably how, how I sort of look at it when I look back at it. I remember doing stats for the, the Robbers website in 2011, and you were Robbers' top goal scorer in Europe. By some distance, I think the whole squad in 2011 had six goals to their name, and four of them were by you for Cork. So you loved an old European goal for Cork, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I kept that. I kept that for a while. The top goal scorer for Cork for so long until Shorty Maguire uh, came along and battered it. To be fair, but uh, now, nah, like I said, like I said, we were a young, young squad really. Shamrock Rovers when we were in Europe, really. The the average age was probably taken up a lot by myself and a, f- a few others. So. Uh, there weren't much experience there. That's probably a little. That's probably a good thing at some stage. That uh, sort of there was no fear really. Like I said, we went to different places with no fear, especially the game against Partizan. There was no fear really in many of the younger players. They hadn't really experienced losing European games. That probably a few of us older ones had probably experienced a few more European trips. The off-the-field difficulties for Cork in 2008 and 2009, they're obviously well-documented, uh, so we won't go into it in detail, but there was an incident at the end of 2009 which I think will interest our listeners because it showed how bad things got and had a big impact on the title race. It was Rawers and Bowles neck-and-neck at the top of the table, fourth last game of the season, and your Cork team were supposed to travel down to Tata. It looked like the game wouldn't happen at one point because... You insisted on getting your wages by the Cork owner, uh, Tom Coughlin, and it was only resolved when the players were handed uh, bank drafts before they made their way to the game. So what do you remember about that kind of dramatic day? So really, like I said, I think it was so it was the beginning of the end, really, of Cork. As we know, then it was the relationship between chairman, uh, supporters, the players and the chairman was all-time low, I suppose, and like I said, we were missing wages for weeks, weren't any sign of pain, you were getting checks, they were bouncing, you were this, that and the other, and it just sort of got too much, really, and then, like I said, it was always a case of 
like we had to put pressure on them and it was the worst thing we're going, do we have to strike or not? So yeah, strike, not play a game. Is this going to put effect? Is this going to affect everyone else? And like I said, I think it was a last minute thing. The chairman said, oh, your money's there. We're sorted. You can play the match. And I think that was a game we, did we win 2-1 or caught 2-1? One, two, one. Billy Dennehy ironically got the, the winning goal, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, probably one of our better games for the season, really. Like I said, uh, uh, probably suited us Tala's big pitch, really, when we were at Cork, really. It was one of the better pitches in the league. So it was, uh, like I said, it was pro- at that time, it was like one of them would have would have a really good game and then loads of stuff would happen and then we'd be rubbish again for a game and then we'd come good again. And unfortunately for Rovers, we had, we had a good night that night. So obviously these uh, these issues, I mean, they were causing a strain in your family life. You're probably looking to, to leave Cork. So were you happy to get the call from Michael and Neil at Rovers then? Yeah, I was. Yeah, like I said, I think uh, like when the whole thing, I was, like at the time, I wasn't interested in leaving Cork. See, at the time I was happy, obviously happy in Cork and uh, my, uh, my wife now was expecting our first child. So uh that was obviously keeping us in Cork as well but the longer it went the longer it went on and to be fair Michael O'Neill made the biggest effort to sign me and sort of it was if I was leaving Cork Sherman Rovers was the only place I was interested in going because of the interest at it and like the stadium and his ideas for for the club and all that was sort of exciting as well as as a chat it was probably my first proper change as a like an older player going to a different club, it was, it was quite a small bit exciting as well. So it was, it was a no-brainer. And like I said, obviously with them going so close to winning the league, uh, the year with the year that year before with Bows, you're like, we've got a serious chance of doing something. And like I said, that was, that was the only thing. Michael O'Neill was all about. I want to win the league. I want to win the league. I want to win the league. And I was like, yeah, I'm. All, all over that and like I said as soon as I came up to Taller and was around the stadium there was a lot of supporters around sort of mingling it was weird it was weird because they weren't too in, interested in the league it was more about the cup for some reason they wanted to win a cup again because obviously it meant so much to him but I was like oh no we've got to win the league the league's more important than the cup but, oh, we love the cup We'd, we really would love to win the cup and I was like oh brilliant we win that as well but unfortunately we uh, we threw away a double really when we lost Worst penalty shootout probably ever at the Aviva. You kind of touched on a moment ago the way Michael Neal used the squad. He always called that 14 man game, really got the best out of his squad. He saved certain players for certain games. And I'm reading that's the team that kind of impressed you most about his, his management skills. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think uh, he sort of planned probably, I don't know, managers probably do it all the time, but he was really obvious in it that you could tell he was. If we were playing, say, Sligo away on a Saturday, it'd be one team. And then if you were going to play, no disrespect, like a UCD the following week or a midweek, it'd be a completely different team, different formation, different players to get things out of the game. And, and like I said, m- most of the time at work, because we, we, we were winning more, game, more games than we weren't and uh, sitting top of the league. So sort of probably it was hard to probably buy in for a few of us to start off with sort of missing a few games here and there, but uh, the squad was so strong. You knew you really had to be at it to, to, 
to stay in the team and and like you said, it was probably a lot easier because you're actually winning winning games and challenging for trophies, really. I mean, you can ima- I mean, you can manage Bakker Bailey. You know you're doing something right. Oh, definitely, definitely, sure. I don't know how some managers could look after him. What a character, what a lad, and uh, sort of like you said when he first came in, he just brought something completely different into the squad that we never had, and. You'd have to, like you said, you'd have to experience him to believe what sort of fellow he was because he could entertain and he could uh, disrupt at the, for the best of best of them. Was Bakker or Carlos, he scored the last gasp equaliser against uh, Benai Yehuda in Europe. But was it the second leg in Israel? Is that when the team really came together? Because that was a, a special night with the carrot of Juventus uh, waiting the winners. Yeah, I think so. Like I said, Michael O'Neill used to always always say when we were together, like it's like when we were on these European trips and we were playing like Thursday, Sunday. We were together so often. It's sort of it, that that was a time when you actually your team spirit sort of come together because you you definitely get sick of spending so much time together. But it sort of brings you closer together. It sort of sort of you grow into what you're trying to achieve as a team and. Uh, like I said, uh, that trip trip away to Israel was really good, really good performance, and sort of probably we we deserved to deserve to beat them. After, to be fair, we were shocking in the home leg, really. Where, like I said, Bok scored a a late equaliser, and we were probably lucky to get away with with that result from the first leg, really. But uh, like I said, it was uh, it was a top performance out there, to be honest. And like I said, sort of gave us the gave us that Juventus tie that you'd probably uh, be getting it so early as well. You probably wouldn't get it nowadays against these bigger clubs because obviously Juventus are only just coming back from their own problems from being relegated a couple of divisions. And what a moment that must have been if you had to walk out the team as captain in Tada, standing beside the Juventus captain Chiellini in the tunnel and he's still going at 37 and you packed it in at 33 then. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think like his hundred grand a week might have helped him a small bit. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, I think uh, like you said, it's sort of the, when you see the pictures of the two teams that come up every year when the uh, the day when we played them in Tallis, sort of realise the sort of players that they had. The, that here, Chiellini and Benucci are still still going strong and look look as fit as ever. I think. Uh, when I look in the mirror now, I'm definitely definitely not in the same shape as they're they're, they're in, or they probably ever will. But no, nah, like, like I said, this uh, this playing against Del Piero and the treasure guys of the world, and obviously Chiellini and Panucci, it was brilliant and brilliant. And like I said, we sort of uh, sort we kind of run them close without really ever going to beat them. But it was uh, so two great games, especially uh, the home game, and it was. Uh, Pack Taller and then obviously going away uh, to Medina and that and the rain and the flooding of the pitch, which sort of was a bit of a leveller probably f- for us, which made it even more interesting. And you still, if you show anyone the Del Piero goal that he scored, you, you see that in the Champions League, they'd be showing that, showing that for years to come, really. Yeah, it was actually yourself who gave away the free kick. 35 years out but you're probably think, probably not too upset about the time you're thinking no one's shooting from there surely no definitely definitely like I said it's uh, 
I said, I think, yeah, I probably, you, you, you're thinking from there, you shoot Grand Almanis in goal as well. You're thinking not many people are going to beat, beat him, beat him from, from that distance. And like, like when it, when it like took off, you're like, oh God, that's in straight away. And it's, uh, uh, like he's a, like, we would, if he didn't understand many of us trying to tell him, but we would like trying to tell him, uh, you could have saved, could have saved that for, for a proper league game or something like that when it was a, a bit more important to getting us if we could have taken a nil-nil or anything like that it would have been great but uh, special goal on uh, and like I said probably fit to win many a game So in 2005 with Cork you won it on the last day of the season against Stephen Kenny's Derry team in 2010 that went right down to the wire as well the Carlow grounds in uh, Bray but you missed that tire run didn't you with a knee injury you missed two months so how frustrating was that to have to watch from the sidelines as the team started to falter and squander a lead at the top of the table. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Like I said, it was like, to be honest, it was one of my first probably major injuries that I ever had. And obviously it was a bad, a bad one. So I definitely knew I was, there weren't any chance of me getting back, which was, which was a bad part of it as well. I knew I couldn't really sort of give anything because I knew I was out to, for the rest of the season. So, and like I said, as I think I missed seven or eight league games, and we 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 didn't sort of just we literally rolled over the line. We didn't like go over the line. We fell over the line. We were, lost a couple of games when we should have won, and drawing games we should and that. And it was just it was just hard work. And like I said, that that night in Carlisle grounds, it was atmosphere. It was brilliant, brilliant. And like I said, this uh, uh, as soon as like you're thinking. You're thinking we only needed a draw, and you're thinking, oh, we only need a draw, and then you start thinking we can't settle for a draw because when you go that you're going to lose anyway. So uh, it was frustrating. It was, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch, and like I said, when we were uh, struggling in a lot of games, it was uh, e- even more difficult. But I'm sure, we managed to get over the line, and uh, like I said, the the everything afterwards was was, was really good because it hadn't probably happened happened for the Rovers fans for so long yeah I don't know what it was like on the pitch but in the stands it was a very very nervy nervy evening trying to get a result but uh, Gary Twiggs goal the way he rounded the keeper and he was so composed that summed him up oh yeah like, like I said it's just like we always used to say like uh he never really, he never really, you never spoke about him scoring in the five nils or six nils. If you ever won them ones, he was always, if you're going to win a game one nil or against the big team Sligo's at the time, the Bows, the Bows games, he's always scoring. Like I said, he's, uh, well, as you say it, like he never used to like smash a football really into goal or be placed or like a, like a cushioned header into the goal and all that sort of stuff. So he was a serious finisher. And like I said, if it, there was one fella in the team that he wanted in that position, it, it would be him. And even in training, he just liked to burst the net, didn't he? The man just loved scoring goals. Oh, he did, yeah, he did. When he could be bothered to train anyway, he was fine. <laughs> I thought I was a bad trainer till you've met Gary Twig. He was, uh, he was definitely a match day player anyway, that's for sure. So we have a couple of questions from fans. Uh, Jimmy Maguire, he calls you and Craig Sibbers uh, the Hanson and Norrinson of the League of Ireland. Uh, so how good was Sibby? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Like I said, I think like when you think 
back to what I think what he could have been. Like he could have, I think he could have played a lot higher than League of Ireland. Just watching him, it's just like he has some bad injuries, and like I said, I think it was uh, sort of didn't really. After he had a couple of bad injuries, never really happened for him. But he was brilliant. Like I said, I think he win my two years. I don't know if he got. He definitely got player of the year, at least one of the years anyway. But uh, yeah, the serious player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he got. I think he got player of the year. Yeah, he, well, that year, yeah, he was a really good player. And like I said, it's uh, in a in a good squad. He was he was probably one of the first names on the team sheet. And like I said, I think he probably could have or should have played played probably higher than League of Ireland. Did you have a very good understanding? Like, did you know what each other would do on the pitch? Um, yeah, I think I think so. I think, like I said, it, it it was probably getting better as like we were getting to the end. I think of when I left to uh, when I left Charlotte Rovers, it was getting better at that time. I think, and like I said, what it was only going to get better the more we played together. I think, like it was just coming round then, like we were playing twice a week every week and it was only getting better really and like you said like you only really get to know each other properly when when you're playing with each other and you pretty much have a have a settled settled side which we had sort of a decent back four at the time with Sully and uh Ender at left back at the time so uh I think it, it, if we'd stay together I think it would maybe it even got better than it actually was so the Tales on 11 season now uh, this question comes in from from Carl Toner he I think I know this is in reference to it's in reference to uh, Ryan Thompson's league debut in Drogheda when you two went head to head. So he asks, could you have taken him? Probably not. No, <laughs> uh, no, probably not. No, I say, I say me and me and Ryan probably had a bust up probably every other game. I'd say just two of us probably disagreeing on a few things. I think I remember we had one in. Uh, one in Daily Mount as well. I think the set the set a few games after that as well, and it was so so silly things. It's just heat at the moment stuff on the on the football pitch. And uh, like I said, I think he probably would have taken me quite easily. To be fair, but I'd give a good go of itself. I'll give myself anyway. Maybe it was Daily Mount. Actually, I'm not sure which game it was. Drahad or Bowes, but um, God, he did have big shoes to fill, didn't he? Uh, when Big Al left, I mean. His his reflexes were astounding, but at the same time, he was quite error prone from from kickouts. Yeah, I say like, like obviously Al's probably on a different level to 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 most goalkeepers uh, that I've played with anyway, and like his standards so high and his consistency. But some of the saves Ryan Thompson used to make were ridiculous in training or in matches. Like I said, when you see the the part of Sam Braille grade one there, I think was it was it Hedery. Pulled off an unbelievable save, and but then before before that he's it was say at least once a game or once every two games he'd shank a goal kick along the floor to their centre forward to run in on the on the goal. So <laughs> sort of got to an end where the goalie coach was saying, "Right lads, you have to face Ryan when he's kicking goal kicks and make sure one of you's standing in front of the centre forward just in case." But no, he was a, like I said, a massive character, a massive character around the place and. Like I said, it's uh, he probably like could could get away with the odd mistake here and there because he pull, pulled off some worldy saves. So of the twelve European games in 2011, you only didn't play two. That was the Florida Talent type, but I think you did travel because uh, this fan Dermot he asks, 
Do you remember tripping over Barry Brady in the Molly Malone pub in Tallinn and asking him, is he all right? I can't remember. (laughs) After the game, obviously, was it? Must have been afterwards, yeah. Yeah, no, I can't remember it anyway. I say, well, I remember being in in the square after the game. The place was hopping, to be fair, all right. But I can't remember that (laughs) night. It's a a very obscure uh, memory. Um, Going into the Paris Ampel grade uh, away game, having scored a magnificent goal through Gary McCabe and kind of we had the momentum of that equaliser. What was the belief and the confidence like in the squad going to Belgrade? Um, the, the belief was there. The belief was good. Like, but I, would, I wouldn't say we were, we were thinking, oh, we're going to win this. We're going to win this. Uh, I think it was probably more hope than expectation like before the game and on the morning of the game and like I said, I think uh, Jim and Michael showed, just was showing us a few clips of the game in Tallow when we could have been better and done things better. And that probably gave us a little bit of a lift that probably we might not have. And if we hadn't really spoke about it, because obviously Gary's goal doesn't really get spoke about too much because of Sully's goal in the second leg. But his goal was a ridiculously good goal as well. And like I said, it sort of kept the tie alive for us going over there and I would definitely say now it was more we were probably probably hoping that we were going to win more than expecting to win and sort of after drawing up especially with the away goal that they scored in tally you're thinking oh they've definitely got an advantage but it was one of those that sort of we kind of kind of believed that if we played okay we'd have a chance and the longer we stay in the game uh the better it's going to get and the game went on and obviously we conceded and it was like, oh, it's not too bad. It's only one nil and then we kept going. And then obviously I think when we got the goal, uh, Sully's goal, that sort of probably this gave us a lift. The belief went up and I think we got stronger from there really. And we're probably, as the game was going on into extra time, especially we were sort of getting more and more confident and, kind of believe could this happen could this happen and then probably we'll get to a point where we're going to go we'll settle for penalties here we'll settle penalties that'd be great if we got to penalties we'd have taken them really close and but then so when we got the penalty and Stevie stuck it away it was like it wasn't really we couldn't really believe it and uh, like I said it probably took uh, probably took a long time for it to, to sink in really on the pitch that we we were what we done and or, or what we'd done or how well we played and stuff like that. And probably as it was away, so far away, you don't really, and there was not many Rovers fans there as well. You sort of probably didn't get the whole, whole thing until we came back to, to Ireland to see, see the reaction of what we'd done. Well, the joy of the moment, if you watch back, uh, the game, uh, I think Enda Stevens, of course, has gone on to play in the Premier League. You see him wheeling away. You see Gary Twig wheeling away in celebration. Uh, in your case, you've got your hands curled into two fists. You sink down to your knees and you pound the, the turf in the light. So it was an amazing moment. Oh, unbelievable. Like I said, I think uh, you'd sort of, you probably, probably as a League of Ireland player, I suppose it's sort of, you hope these days cut then them nights come on and that it was just sort of a reaction of probably relief more than anything and uh sort of 
accomplishment of being in a, in a team or in a squad that had uh, sort of done something that no other team had really been probably close to, or they've been close to doing it, but that close to sort of sort of breaking the glass ceiling that a few clubs have got to. You mentioned our fans there, the the, the famous 43 travel, but the Partizan Belgrade fans, I mean, they were very loud and hostile throughout the night. But uh, Pat Flynn was on the show. He described it like Rocky Four, the way they turned on their own fans and then yeah. ended up applauding us off the pitch. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you could sort of, you could sense it. The manager, the manager was getting it. I think like and like they did start turning on the players when it sort of went longer and longer, and you could you could definitely feel it in the stadium. You definitely feel the sort of the atmosphere changing. And when uh, one of their lads got sent off, it definitely the whole atmosphere changed very quickly and sort of. Uh, like I said, we got clapped off the pitch, which we, especially in uh, in in Belgrade as well, you don't expect <laughs> don't expect that because it's uh, probably very passionate supporters between them and uh, Red Star. So unbelievably, uh, Tottenham Hotspur come out of the hat for for the group stages. So I mean, for you as a Spurs fan, it was obviously a special night for you playing against your boyhood club at uh, White Hart Lane. Yeah, special. Like I said, I think when the when the draw was made, that was probably probably if 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 I had to if it was ever going to get to a stage where I had to pick a game to play, that would have been the one that I'd say, please, Michael, just play me at White Hart Lane in the in the in this in the Spurs game, please, God. Uh, so yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like everything about it, like like we play, we've played, obviously played in Europe, played the qualifiers, and. Uh, that stuff like that, but you could see once we got into the group stages, even of the Europa League, then the everything, the standard of everything went up, like the media commitments, the the planning and everything was just on a different level to what we were used to. And like going to White Hart Lane and all the people, all the full-time staff that they have and different world, different world to, unfortunately, to League of Ireland, but great experience and Probably, probably my favorite favorite one as a footballer was was like I said leading leading the team out at White Hart Lane and being being lucky enough to play there. And yourself and some of the players had begun your careers in England uh, early on. You probably didn't think you would play in a Premier League ground. The likes of Stephen Rice there at Coventry, Billy Denny was at Sunderland, Ron Finn at Cambridge, Conor McCormick. At Manchester United, Stephen O'Donnell at Arsenal and Gary Twig at Derby. So it was incredible for all these guys to play at that level in a huge stadium and huge crowd. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like I said, I think it's uh, you probably, when a lot of us were at the English clubs that you, the lads you named there, I think you're, you're dreaming of that it will, you will be playing it week in, week out, but it obviously didn't quite happen for a lot of us and like I said, it's sort of them small things makes Europe so special to a League of Ireland football footballer. And like I said, they're probably memories for players they remember the most and uh, probably take take the most pride in is is playing in them stadiums. And like I said, it, it probably on any other day, uh, no one would have spoke about. It, but even the Spurs players were talking about the Rovers fans that end how loud they were and like I said I think they definitely had a good day in London that day alright I think I remember reading it was Kyle Walker who told you that but the Rawers fans and you got his jersey as well as a memento yeah yeah I did yeah I didn't like I uh, 
I've, like I said, you, you play, play the game and you, you're buzzing after the game, but then then you get dragged in for me and Twiggy got dragged in for a drug test and we've sat in a one room for about three hours trying trying to do do the test. And like I said, Carl Walker was there, great character and obviously got his jersey. And yeah, it was another thing, another experience. Like I said, I think uh, these professional footballers or the top, top footballers are uh, sort of most of them are really good guys and down to earth sort of characters so it was sort of nice to have a chat with them really so we went went one nil up uh on, on 50 minutes and we started to dream but we seemed to awake the beast didn't we and then uh Redknapp brings out the big guns warming up uh Modric and Bale yeah yeah like I said I think we just made him angry really we needed to score about the 87th minute or 91st minute or something like that instead of when we did score, and like I said, I think we we got we well as soon as Harry Redknapp told the two lads to go and warm up, the sort of the rest of them kicked into gear and sort of sort of they the three goals sort of come around quite quickly and it was it was game over. It's just like I said, that was the the different level really compared to to where we were where we were at. It, you could tell it was a, a different level really. Looking at the six games overall in the groups. Do you feel you could have got one or two points because we took the lead at Spurs and we played really well away to poke and equalise there? Or is there no shame at all because it was an extremely difficult group and you're talking about clubs with multiple times their budget? Yeah, like you said, you look back and uh, the Greek, the Slonical one when we lost uh, 2-1, I feel that probably our best performance probably over 90 minutes where we could have got something out, out, out of the match and never really did. Uh, then after that, we sort of the first game we conceded early and that killed us. And obviously the Spurs game, sort of they turned on the style a little bit after we scored. So it was difficult, really. Uh, so yeah, like I said, you just hope you look at it and look back and say, and we just weren't quite good enough in the end, if you know what I mean. The game in Kazan in Russia, it was, it was Baltic that night. But uh, you and Stephen Rice, you're obviously made of sterner stuff because you had the short sleeve <laughs> jerseys. Yeah, like I said, Louis, well, it was one of my sort of things was I never really liked playing in long sleeve jerseys really ever. And it was like, I can't really play in, I can't picture myself playing long, even as cold as it was. But then, like when as soon as you got out, there, it was like, oh, I've made a, I've made a bad decision here. It is really, really cold, and I need to, uh, need to uh, sort of. <laughs> I put on a skins art the second half, so I was a bit better. But like I said, it was, uh, it was, was, was very cold, coldest I've ever played. Anyway, it's nearly as press as impressive as Big Deck, the Rovers fan. I don't know if you remember him, but he got off the plane wearing only a t-shirt that night. Yeah, yeah, really serious. It was an experience for everyone, anyway. We just know when you're getting back onto the onto the plane after the game, and they're trying to antifreeze the plane so you can take off. You know, it's in a cold place where you where you going. How important was it to retain the league title as well that year? Was was the league everything? Yeah, I think that was that was like when we when that was my biggest goal. Anyway, was the league the next year and uh, to kick on. Really, it was like. Like I said, it's easy to probably win one league, but to kick on and win a win a win a second one, and probably we probably won it with a game to spare as well, which was was great. But uh, uh, yeah, that was a big deal. Like I said, it, when Michael O'Neill signed me, it was like we 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 have to win the league every year here. We have to win the league, and 
luckily, sort of, that's what happened anyway. And we got to lift the trophy uh, in front of our own fans in Tala, which the current robber side, they weren't able to do last year because of COVID. So given your experience of lifting the trophy in front of our own fans, how much will these players now, if they do go on to win us, how much will they be looking forward to doing that in front of the supporters? Oh, I, well, like I say, with how Tala is now, with the, the three stands now, the place is going to be jumping. It's going to be jumping. Like I said, they're... Uh, They've had they've had a year out with no football and like you look at it now and you're thinking serious stadium now getting better and better with the the, the new stand at the end so I did that I'd say there'd be goose goosebumps on people's necks for, for for that celebration all right I'm just going to finish with a few fan questions if that's all right uh, Carol Linehan he wants to know your best and worst memory as a Rovers player best and worst memory. So best memory, obviously, the Spurs game, leading them out. Worst memory, I'd say, was, I think, uh, one of the first few games when we were struggling a little bit when we started the season, I think. A few supporters said, uh, can you just go back to Cork? <laughs> we don't need you. We don't want you here. So can you just go back to Cork? I think that was about after the first three games. I don't think we won. Did we? I think we lost two. We lost two home games and I think that was a few cards. They just wanted me to go back to Cork and I was like, fair enough. <laughs> so that was the worst memory, all right. I think you I think you won them over, fair to say that, but a uh, few people sent in the same question. Uh basically, did you want to leave Robbers and go back to Cork or did Stephen Kenny and Robbers not want to keep you at the end of 2011? No, Stephen Kenny didn't want me. I was uh I wanted to sign back to be honest and was ready to sign and probably I'll learn from now I thought I'd be signing back after the couple of years that I had but uh, obviously a different manager and different ideas and uh, Stephen Kelly didn't want me so that's football really I suppose and it's all about opinions and like I said this, uh, he's made a few good decisions seeing that as the island managers now uh, Jason asked about your goal celebration in the 2014 season. This was uh, this was a late header to give Cork a 1-0 win over the hoops at Turner's Cross. Uh, he wants to know, is there any story behind that one? Because he, he seemed to really enjoy that uh, goal celebration against Roberts. Yeah, well, to be fair, it was, uh, it was my first and only goal. Like I scored a goal when my young fella was at a match. So that's why I enjoyed that so much. Oh, okay. Uh, best player you've it wasn't ever... because it was Rovers or anything like that, but no, nah, it was, and it was a last minute goal as well. So that always gives it a bit extra, doesn't it? As well, yeah, it does. Uh, best player you've ever played with, and if it's not Rovers, can you give us a Rovers one as well? Uh, best player at Rovers at the time was definitely Twiggy or Alan Manis. I think they're the, they're the best two that. They'd get in any. They'd get in any team. I think that I'd play in. Probably the best. Colin Healy is probably still the best player on consistently that I played with. All right. Uh, Alan Clayton asks, best center half you ever played with. I've ever played with. Mm-hmm. I think the best relationship I had was with Alan Bennett at Cork. But as like, I think me and Sivy would have been really good if we kept playing with each other for longer. Uh, Nolda Bryan, he asks, best striker you ever marked? 
marked. Always say it in League of Ireland was uh, Glenn Crow and Jason Byrne were the best two and probably Jermaine Defoe, if I was to pick someone outside league, he was rapid and his movement was ridiculously good. Uh, last question. Uh, you played with Brazzer in 2010. Uh, you won a, a league title together. Uh, I think Brazzer will tell you himself, you probably didn't see the absolute best of him as a player with Rovers, but back then, could you see him as a future coach? And are you impressed by what he's achieved now as a manager to date? Um, I never thought, like, I don't never really spoke to him about coaching. Like I said, he was always thought he was a quality player, talented player. We probably didn't play to his strengths when we were at Rovers. There's probably a different kind of side to play in. So uh, we didn't get the best out of him, I don't think, but really good player. And like I said, I think I've been really, really, really pleased for how well he's done as manager and the faith that Rovers have kept in him when he's been trying to keep something going, keep something going. has been ridiculously good. And like I said, all the success he gets now is from the hard work that he's been doing. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your time, Dan, uh, and your, all your memories. Uh, it's fantastic to hear them. Perfect. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dan. See you. Speak to you soon. Thanks, God. So, Dan Murray, Prof, fantastic stuff. And um, still a bit, bit, bit of hate towards him in the Rover support. You think? Yeah, yeah, definitely in our chat in particular. A few people wouldn't be too fond of him. Might be a few stories going around, but great stuff from Dan anyway. I think, especially 2012 we realised what we were missing when he left. Yeah. Oh, jeez, we hadn't replaced him for a long time. Hmm. But um, I think time time has been much kinder to him now. You look back, I mean, he captained us to two league titles. He was immense at yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah. Him and Sivez, what a partnership. And, uh, I mean, he probably, except himself, I think he probably wouldn't have come here if not for what happened at Cork. But he came here just at the right time, just what we needed, just what he needed. It was It was a marriage made in heaven. And uh, I could have asked him easily another 20 questions there, but it was only so much time. And uh, Roddy actually stripped him of the captaincy. Remember remember Roddy Collins was manager of Cork for like 10 minutes? <laughs> Literally. What happened? I love, do you know what? Have we got a Roddy interview in us? <laughs> well, I'm working Technically, on he can't. Like, we could interview him. I want we... him for the documentary. It's something I'm, I'm going to work on. Because... That whole remember the the James Nolan Dave Carpenter show where they talk about him getting suspended and he went to a a boxing event. Oh of yeah, a match. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few people have said that in the doc, so I want to hear Roddy's side of things. I'm telling you now, Roddy Collins is gold when it comes to podcasts. If you can get him to talk, I'm telling you, think about the amount of shit that we could ask him. <laughs> He's just stories out there, stories out there, stories. Get him on. Fucking really get him in. We'll get him in here. We'll get him a couple of beers in. We'll have a monthly madness. I think that's probably the best bet. There you go. Definitely. But that's it. The Great bet. stuff from Dan Murray. So, Prof, next up we have Stan Levens and predictions. <laughs> a very important Stan Levens and predictions this week, Prof. How are we on... How are we on um, injuries and things? I'm going to go. You can correct well, me if Finner, you think I'm wrong. Finner picked up an injury near the end of that game, apparently. Oh, okay, I don't know anything about that. And we, we've we been hearing for a few weeks that we could get everybody back by this game. So that includes the two Shans. Berkey and Joey have been missing for a couple of weeks. 
So possibly everyone back. I'm happy enough with where we played on the weekend. So I'm gonna go great. I'm gonna go Manus, obviously Grace Pico Gannon. I think they were just so good. I think there was a lot of blood and guts in that performance. Uh, I really really like him, Barry Cotter. Barry <laughs> Cotter at left back, um, left wing back. He was brilliant. We looked so solid in Sligo. I mean, like I'd, I know Sligo had a couple of dangerous moments, but I never felt like we were gonna concede in that no, game. No, it didn't. It didn't feel like that at all, did it? It was a really confident so, display. I couldn't change that back five now. No, we're going to Finner right full. Don't know how he is, but we're going to prote- we're going to say that he's not injured. Finner again, absolutely brilliant on the right. I'm going to go Tell and Gary O'Neill in the middle. I think Tell had really put in a big performance. He ran for days. Um, ball retention was good. Him and Gary O'Neill, good understanding in the middle. I think it's going to be a battle. Benson, if Benson's not injured, Forrester in the middle. I think this is going to be a real, real battle in the middle of the park. It's going to be where the game is won. I'm going to go Watts, Gaffney and Danny up top. Borky still dropped. Greener, I'm not sure about him, but I think I think it's very harsh to drop Danny Watts. Watts was brilliant in Sligo as well. The operator, the 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 instigator. Like I think he was fantastic. Gaffney again, Danny, everyone. Danny's so dangerous and he loves a goal against Pats. I'm going to go 3-1. 3-1 and to blow the roof off the provinces. So this uh, is a yeah. game where I like to squeeze Greener in somewhere, but oh, I know, yeah, I know, but I just think I think he might be still ruled out because of concussion, isn't it? Because he got yeah. a knock in the head. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with pretty much the same team as as Ligo, give or take. Yeah, it's hard, hard to argue with that. As for scoreline, um, I'll say one all. One all, oh, and the old classic: Would you take a draw? No, this has popped up again in the chat. No, we wouldn't take a draw, but some people would. 90 minutes of football. Never take a draw as well, you say. But listen, it's maybe at the business end of a season, you could probably say you could, but ultimately I like to think that we could win any game over 90 minutes. But come to the business end of the season, it's possibly to take a draw would make sense. Taking you know the I mean? question literally, it's it's kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone ever been literally offered a draw? <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid question. But... In this case, I understand the question because you're talking about you could keep pass at a distance. You know what I mean? With well, a, that's with, that's ultimately what we need to do. With a point. We need to keep them at a distance, don't we? So it's more so that Pats need to win the game and we don't need to win the game. Mm. We just need a positive result. Yeah, I think a positive result here is a big, big push towards the title. It, a win is huge. Like I said, I spoke with Dunster about this before. A win, a win would have to have us to result have serious bad results, and Pats have really really good results. So when you think about it like that, this is mm. crunch time for Pats. If you're a Pats fan now, put it this way: Are you confident of you being able to come back and win the league? Not without a win here anyway for them. Exactly. So it's it's a big one. It's a big 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 pressure for Pats. And I think they'll bottle it. As I've said to a few people, by the way. Uh, if you offered me right now Pats winning the cup and having an open top bus parade in Ninja Car, I would snap your hand off. <laughs> Just so Bows don't win that cup. I will take that all day long. Snap your hand off. Oh, please give it to me. I'm, I'm only delighted for Pats to win the cup. Mm. Just no Bows trophies ever. Yeah, it would. And they'd imagine the shite they come out with trying to justify that. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, who, so- who's going to stop them at this point? Like, Possible. I think they fuck it up. I Dundalk. think they fuck it up. Uh, what was it? Salzburg they played. Remember they fucked up the Red Bull team? I think they fuck it up Red Bull style. 
Dundalk don't have a hope of beating oh, Bowes. They're so shy in they? that cup. They're fucking Pats shy. Pats are literally our only hope. Oh, that's so unless, unless our, our pal Bertram can uh, spring a surprise there in the semis. Okay, wait, I didn't even fucking do it. What are you doing with you, Rocky, mate? Can't believe I need to tee up. You, <laughs> you had a whole hour to do it. I had an hour and I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So listen, great week following the hoops. Uh, hopefully, we can continue on, yeah. prof. It's, no, no way, take us by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it's what you expect. Small time pettiness, but we'll cut, I'm sure there's a couple of hoops on their cover that'll go in incognito. But once again, we are showing the game in the four profs. Everybody head down in the bar. Live music from a speedy and a heron beforehand, six till eight, and then the prof. The four profs will be banging out the game eight till ten. It's going to be a cracker of a night and hopefully three points prof and loads of other points puddle green ribbon the whole lot and uh, yeah it's been a fantastic week so prof we will see you in the four profs and hopefully three points against pats keep on hooping see you